0: was a conversation between President Biden and President Xi of China. It was virtual. It lasted three and a half hours with a break in between. It featured three main topics. Human rights, climate change, Taiwan. All right. So Xi actually threatened Biden saying, quote, The USA would be playing with fire, unquote, if it encouraged Taiwan to seek independence, which is not what the USA is doing, but playing with fire is a threat. So that was an interesting exchange. Now, how these things work is they sit down, they got big screens and their advisors are all around and they chat. But after 20 minutes, the transcripts stop. Okay, they give you a little flavor and then boom, they're out of there. Constructive, I mean, you got to engage Russia and China. You have to. Even if you don't like them, you can't just be pricking them like this because that's bad for everybody. So I've been trying to get this next guest on for a while. He's a very busy guy. But he is the best expert, in my opinion, on China in the United States of America. However, I might be a little prejudiced because he was the dean at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government when I matriculated there. I think that's what I did there, Dean. Didn't I matriculate there? You, you did, but you also graduated, yes. <laughs> I know, I I graduate I think you guys really rue the day you ever me. Matriculates coming you. in and graduates going out, yeah. <laughs> you rue the day you accepted me, though. Um, Not at all. So uh, the Dean wrote a book, which I read, called Destined for War. In 2017, but certainly uh, worth ordering on Amazon. And he knows without prejudice, which means he's not coming at it from a left wing or a right wing point of view, he knows the danger that China poses. So, up front, Dean, how intense is that danger right now?
1: Well, three or four points, and then uh, first. If there were a war, a full-scale war between the US and China, we could each be destroyed. All of Cambridge, all of New York, all of DC. So we living with a China, like we learned to live with the Soviet Union, where Ronald Reagan rightly said, a nuclear war cannot be won uh, and therefore must never be fought. So that's part one. Point two, Taiwan from the perspective of China is a inseparable, part of China. Uh, There are things for which nations will go to war if required. When the South tried to declare independence from the US, uh, the country, Washington went to war with the Southern States. China believes Taiwan is an integral part of China. China has a no succession law. So if Taiwan were to take an unalterable, unambiguous step, that made it independent, I think it's almost certain that China would go to war to prevent that happening. Three, if the US came to the defense of Taiwan today, given the military balance of power in the region that's developed in the last 20 years, in in that conflict over Taiwan, we would likely lose. So that's all very ugly. Uh, The good news is that China still remains Co- committed to, a, to, the, to the peaceful reunification, they call it, and they have a lot of other things on their agenda. So I don't think it's likely that China moves out of the blue to take military action against Taiwan anytime soon, but I can certainly imagine some event or incident or accident, maybe some provocative uh, action, extremely provocative by Taiwan, that she would feel like he had to respond to and that could ultimately lead to a war between the US and China.
0: All right, I don't think that uh, Taipei is gonna do that. I've been there. Um, They just wanna be left alone to make money. And they know that if they saber rattle toward Beijing, it ain't gonna work for them. Now, there is a difference- That's good news, that's good news, yes. And I believe that holds. Now, there is a big difference between the presentations of Donald Trump and of Joe Biden. My opinion, I could be wrong, is that Biden is perceived to be much weaker than Mr. Trump by Putin and by Xi. What do you think?
1: Well, it's a good question. Uh, And I think uh, of, I think both Xi and Putin believed that Trump was not going to get in a war if he could conceivably avoid it. Uh, I remember a Chinese colleague once saying to me, Trump is the most trigger shy president that the US has seen in recent years. So while Trump had a lot of uh, bluster in his uh, on, uh, threats, uh, when you look at the instances he had an opportunity to attack or not to attack, he maybe decided not. so there's a there's a question mark there on on Biden, <clears throat> again, Biden has made very clear that he's interested in trying to rebuild America, not to engage in foreign uh, adventures and that very dramatically in Afghanistan. So I would agree that as Putin and she, assess the situation, they would think he would also be extremely reluctant to go to war over Latvia if it was in or Ukraine for Russia or even over Taiwan. And I think what both of them assess is that correctly, in my view, that the American public is tired of endless winless wars and has a lot to do here at home. So I think, again, unfortunately, that makes it more dangerous in that they may think they can do things that right. they could get away with. Yeah, and the the I think they may was, miss the fact that the US ends up responding in ways that would surprise them. Yeah.
0: The difference with Trump and uh, and uh, Biden is that Trump took stuff personally. And he, yeah. he would say, I'm not gonna let this happen on my watch. So they knew that. Uh, and that'll be, I, I don't know whether you know it or not, but I'm doing four history shows with former President Trump in December. Oh. Good. And that is going to be uh, one of the you know I'm going to try to get across to the mass of audiences in the arenas where we are that even though he didn't and you're absolutely correct, he did not want Trump any of this conflict. if you crossed him, you were in trouble. Now, this global warming thing is huge in America in the age of political correctness and all that. I think it's a big con because I don't think China has any interest in fighting climate change at all? Am I wrong?
1: Well, again, I, I if if you're doing it in completely uh, one-liners, you're closer to right than wrong. I'm afraid, in my personal view, I think the uh, reality is that China is put more greenhouse gases into the air than the any decline in U.S. or European. Emissions that have occurred since we started talking about having limits on on, uh, on emissions. The reason why is that emissions are essentially a function of economic growth. China is the fastest growing big economy in the world. China has installed three times as much green energy production as the U.S. in the period since the the first the uh, you know the first uh, Paris Accord, but It's also using more energy than anybody else. So as a result, it produces about twice as much greenhouse gases as the US. And if you take a person like uh, Xi and you ask him, well, would you rather uh, burn coal uh, that'll produce emissions or have your citizens be cold in the winter? He says, wait a minute, that's not a hard choice for himself. So China is trying to build and burn all the hydrocarbons it can, and actually finds it interesting that the US is withholding or disparaging production of hydrocarbons, of oil and gas, and coal, uh, uh, and then not quite noticing that the price of the, all these items go up. They, so they notice, as Yeah, it's uh,
0: a matter of political will. So China's economy yeah. is ascending. The United States economy, uh, if it continues along, attack the fossil fuel industry will get hurt. But the logical point is if India and China are not going to cooperate in tamping down emissions, no matter what Europe and the USA do, it's not going to matter. Am hey, I wrong?
1: It's a it's a point no the point that most people don't get. So we are it's it's all like we were all in one bathroom. And excuse for my analogy, but suppose Uh, you know, you're trying to restrain your, uh, whatever, uh, uh, leaking of uh, urine and manage to do so for the most part, but I continue to pee in the bathtub. We're all in the same bathtub, so it don't make any difference. We live in an enclosed biosphere. So if China continues emitting greenhouse gases on its current trajectory and the U.S. goes to zero, you only extend by a few years, the point at which you reach the threshold that people say would create a 1.5 C uh, increase in, uh, in the you know, heat of the yeah, climate. Temperature, I'm right, not temperature sure even right. about all those calculations, but the logic of your point is exactly right. That this is a situation where I've described it It's almost as if we were inseparable conjoined Siamese twins in which if one of the party just by itself can make the thing impossible. So unless we can find a way to do this cooperative... Uh, I don't know how
0: you find that way. No start. The Chinese, as you just put it, the China, she did not have any interest in this at all. Final question. What the Chinese did to Hong Kong was totally unnecessary, in my opinion. All right, and correct me if I'm wrong. Hong Kong was functioning as a vibrant democracy, a center of capitalism. They brought a lot of currency into China when the two... Um, basically collaborated, China, for no reason at all, went in to try to squelch the freedom that Hong Kong had. And that sends a message to me like, these people are fanatics. I mean, they, they don't care about human rights. They don't care about freedom. They don't care about anything but money and power. And that's disturbing. Is there another aspect to this that I'm missing?
1: Well, I think uh, I mean, I thought that letting the Ch- Hong Kong experiment run, which some Chinese described as uh, democracy or uh, you know, capitalism with Chinese characteristics was a good idea. Hong Kong is one of the miracles of the world. The last 20 years, a vibrant, lively, a fascinating uh, 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 city state. Uh, It was also uh, seeing a number of, uh, a number of the pop, some 5%, maybe 2% of the population wanting greater political rights, including democratization and even independence from China. Uh, China made it clear from its perspective, Hong Kong is part of China. Hong Kong is gonna live under China rules and they believe they can uh, control China Sorry, control Hong Kong, govern it under China rules and keep it uh, vibrant economically. That's going to be the test. But so far, so far, it looks like they may win this game.
0: Yeah, but no democracy in China. You better not open your mouth. You wind up in uh, some gulag someplace. Hey, Dean, we really appreciate it. Uh, Say hello to maybe my six fans in China. Cambridge <laughs> exactly and we'll look forward to seeing you in Cambridge sometime good listen I'll come on up and we'll uh, we'll cause some trouble and we really appreciate you coming on tonight Pleasure. All right, That's uh, Thank Graham you. Allison who knows more about China than anybody so I'm a Roman Catholic all right and, and my family has been Roman Catholic forever Irish um, 93% Irish 7% Viking, according to PBS, all right? So the Vikings, they, didn't, they weren't exactly being converted, okay? Too busy cutting people's heads off. But my family goes way, way back in the Roman Catholic tradition in Ireland. And I am what they call a loyal Catholic in the sense that I understand the totality of my religion. I understand the theology. The theology of the religion, what Jesus taught, and how he conducted himself, and I wrote Killing Jesus, if you really want to know what the man did, you read that book. It doesn't stack up to the way the contemporary Catholic Church is being run worldwide. There's a huge chasm between what Jesus was putting out there and what the men who run the church are putting out there. Now, you want to take that as a criticism? Fine. I'll back it up 50 different ways. But that doesn't mean that I don't show up to church. And it doesn't mean that I throw out the theology. Why would I do that? That's like saying, okay, Joe Biden's screwing up America, so I don't want to be an American citizen anymore. I'm going to be an Albanian. Does that make sense? No. You fight. You stay if you find it worthy. And I do. And the main reason I find it worthy is because we live in a secular world where it's all about me. And you know that. It's me, 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 where's mine, my, mine, particularly the under 50 American group. All right? It's staring at the screen, immediate gratification, very, very little thought about other people, what the big picture is, what's good for all. Okay? That that was a message that the Nazarene brought. Not about you, it's about what you can do to help others. That was a message. It's pretty simple. So you either buy in or you don't. And most people don't. So right now in America, about 23% of the population is Roman Catholic. Almost half of that is Hispanic. So you can see that the Anglo tradition in the church has fallen drastically and that leads to a lot of complications. So it's a different um, parish. It's a different tone, everything's different. And they can't recruit priests, hard to recruit them. Okay, they don't wanna live celibate lives, a lonely, tough life to be a Catholic priest. So there's problems everywhere. And I am very cognizant, and I do not bring these problems to you, but there is a story now that is a nexus between Joe Biden, the President of the United States and the Catholic Church. And this is an important story which is why I'm setting myself up here, all right, and giving you perspective on where I'm coming from. So the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops starts today, a meeting in Baltimore, Maryland, four days. And the essence of the conference is to better define the most important sacrament in the church, which is the Holy Eucharist, communion, okay? As part of that, there's a movement within the American Catholics to ban people like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi from publicly receiving communion because of their promotion of abortion. In fact, uh, the Archbishop of San Francisco, Leon, OK, I know for a fact has told Mrs. Pelosi not to receive communion privately. OK, and you never see her ever see her in a Catholic church receiving communion, whereas Biden, he goes pretty much every week. Now, the Pope Francis, who is a liberal theologian, nothing wrong with that. I think he's a good man. He has made it very, very clear. He does not want to what they call weaponize the Holy Eucharist. He does not want to get spiritual things involved with politics. Okay. He is abundantly clear. About that, however, he has directly called abortion homicide. There's no other meaning. That's what the Pope did about a month ago. So now there's a conundrum worth of a day. Catholics like me are looking to see how these bishops are going to treat Joe Biden. Now it's not about pro-choice and pro-life. The Democratic Party is pro-choice. They have no use for the unborn. No protections. They don't want any limitations on the abortion process. That's in stone. So if you join that party, you're not changing them. That's where they are. But traditionally, Democratic Catholic politicians have said, I don't believe that, but I'm not going to intrude my religious beliefs on others. And so my private beliefs are different than the party platform for the Democrats. However, with Joe Biden, it is much different. He is promoting, as Pope Francis said, homicide. He's making it easier. Not only that, he wants me to pay for it. He wants to take my tax dollars and kill abort fetuses. He wants to do away with the Hyde Amendment, which is unconstitutional. He'll never do it, but he wants to. And he doesn't want any limitations on abortion at all. Therefore, when Texas or Mississippi or another state says after 16 weeks, you can't have an abortion here, his Justice Department's right in there suing under Roe v. Wade. So Biden is promoting abortion. All right, he's making it happen more often to me. And I'm not a judgmental man. I don't do that. I'm the biggest sinner ever. OK, but to me. As a policy analyst. There's no other side to the story. He's promoting homicide in the words of Pope Francis. So how on earth. Can this guy go to church on Sunday and put his hand out to get the Holy Eucharist? One final thing. If you are in the state of what they call mortal sin, you are not allowed to receive communion. A mortal sin is when you know you're doing something wrong and you do it anyway. You don't care. All right. So I could make plenty of historical analogies to this but i'm going to just stick on biden so i search um for the smartest people to explain to me what the deuce is going on now i, I will say I do not expect the bishops to ban joe biden from communion because it takes two-thirds vote to do it i think they will get a majority vote but i don't think you'll get two-thirds 877-444-GOLD or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD or text GOLD to 65532. All right, so joining us now is a priest that I've known for a long time. His name is Edward Beck. He is a passionist priest um, that is a selected order known for their intellectual heft. Now, I don't believe that for a second, Father, but you know, that's <laughs> that's the description. So tell me if I'm being unfair to Joe Biden.
2: Well, again, it's a much larger issue in many ways, I think, Bill. And just to put it in some context, so recently Cardinal Bernadine, whom you'll remember was Cardinal of Chicago. We just celebrated remembered him 25 years dead. And he had what was called the seamless garment approach so that all life issues were part of this greater fabric and that they were all important. So that to single out one like abortion, what about the other issues like capital punishment, like immigration, like the poor? And now we're talking more and more about the environment. So if you begin to have a checklist, for who can and cannot receive. The Catholic Church now teaches capital punishment is not acceptable under any conditions.
0: And I, uh, I agree with that. I've said it. But you're basically doing a sliding scale down. When you have millions of fetuses being aborted worldwide, that is far beyond, far beyond the other social problems that you mentioned. And, and you have a president of the United States who basically is defying the accepted tenet of the Catholic Church that abortion is wrong. He's making it easier to have an abortion. More of the unborn are dying because of Joe Biden. You don't feel that you got to go in there and say, hey, Joe, you might want to rethink this.
2: Yes, most definitely. I think the church needs to advocate for its pro-life position. However, it doesn't seem to be, even with its own Catholics, doing a very good job. So what is the real problem in the sense? The majority of Catholics think that abortion should be legal under many circumstances.
0: I don't don't believe that, poll. I don't believe it. I mean, if you look at the poll, if you look at the national polling on all religions, it's about 50-50. Yeah, Catholics you know, you can, you can, you can, say abortion you, should be legal. Listen, if you so majority Catholic,
2: do not think Roe v. Wade should be overturned.
0: Okay, let me So that's just not the population. So obviously they're there's not a getting a message. With, There's a difference between Roe v. Wade being overturned and supporting abortion. If somebody goes into the confessional and you're hearing their confession, mm-hmm. and they say to you, Father, I had an abortion, but I'm not sorry. I had to do it economic reasons, whatever. What do you say to them?
2: Well, I don't think they'd be coming to confession telling me they're not sorry. The confession is the part where you're admitting that you've done something wrong and you're looking for forgiveness. So the only way you give someone absolution is if they are repentant. Otherwise, they have to go away and think about what they've done and come back when they are repentant. So I don't think that situation would probably happen. But what I am saying is that with regards this issue, you have to look at it in the broader context. So, you were talking a lot about Jesus before. And what would Jesus do? Well, if you look at the Gospels, all of those meal narratives are precursors to the Eucharist, to the Last Supper. Who does Jesus eat with? He eats with sinners, There's no way
0: on earth that the Nazarene would justify abortion in any way, shape, or form.
2: Just stick with me for a minute. There's no you way be, on earth. In fact, you that conversion happened as a result of inclusion, not exclusion. Listen. And so Pope Francis has said, the Eucharist is for sick people, not the healthy ones. You wanna get them in there and say, look, what you're believing about this, what and you're doing- And that's all well, well and good.
0: Wrong. If you wanna convince people not to do it, that I mean, I'll support you 100%. But what you're looking at now is a guy who's doing it in a way that's killing more of the unborn, he's right before your eyes, right? And the Catholic Church is not condemning that. I well, mean, the church, come is on. the church is condemning it, the church is not with condemning Biden. Biden,
2: Biden's the most sure powerful man they're in the saying, world. They're saying his position is wrong abortion is acceptable under no conditions. They wouldn't necessarily say, as you are, that he's promoting abortion,
0: he, he is. Certainly I just laid it out. You can't deny what he's doing is promoting abortion by having late-term abortion, no limitations on it at all, taxpayer money going to fund it. He's promoting it. But he has also
2: said he's personally opposed to it.
0: So what? He can say whatever he wants. Babies are dying. So So you don't know what happens what's your responsibility? Wait, wait, wait. What's your responsibility and the other clerics in the United States to prevent babies from dying? What's your responsibility? To mealy mouth around saying, oh, we don't want to be judgmental? Come on. Yes.
2: Our responsibility is to try to get people to see this pro-life position as the best one, the most godlike one. And we have to do our job to do that. However, you do that by talking with Joe Biden. He has a pastor. He has a bishop. You don't say, go get your act together. Agree with what we do totally before you can come. No, Joe, come. But see what you're doing is wrong. See that your position is wrong. Be part of this community and all of the life positions that you stand for, Joe. We want to stand with you because Joe Biden has a lot of pro-life positions with regards to immigration, the environment, the poor. That's all aligned with the Catholic Church. In this issue, he is not aligning. But you try to convert hearts. You don't exclude and expect people then, oh, well.
0: But this is the big one because this is life and death. It's not so pollution, it's not, it's not migrant relocation, it's life and death. People are dying at the border.
2: People are dying at the border. We're killing ourselves with the environment. Pope Francis Joe wrote a whole that, That's
0: just esoteric stuff. Joe Biden is promoting death. He's necessary. promoting death. Every single time he blasts right. off any protections, and i mean he doesn't want any protections for the unborn it's outright now i i, I predict promoted. that this isn't going to pass all right because there are a lot of liberal ah. pastors in america they're going to follow the pope's guidance going pass pass.
2: to because pope francis says don't use the eucharist as a wedge don't use the eucharist as you said earlier as a weapon a eucharist is a sacrament of inclusion of conversion, of helping people to get to a deeper place who are sick, who are struggling, who are trying to find their way in the faith community. Yes, speak against what they're doing wrong, no doubt. But are you gonna stand there with a checklist? Am I supposed to, as a priest say, okay, birth control, no communion. Abortion, no communion. Capital punishment, no
0: communion. Who's gonna do the checklist? Nobody's gonna do that because the issue is n- remotely close. When you're stacking bodies, in Planned Parenthood clinics, that's a lot more than taking a birth control device. And you know it. So you guys hide behind this kind of semantical thing. And I'm telling you, realistically, if I were Biden's pastor, there's no way that man would go to the communion rail. No way. Last word.
2: Well, I don't think that you as pastor have the right to refuse him you don't know if he's talked to a confessor about this you don't know what internal forum classes he has gone through you don't know how his own struggles with this you should have been you have to as you said for serious sin you have to will to be sinning to turn away from god intentionally and be doing wrong intentionally if joe biden believes that then i agree with you i don't think joe biden believes that though we want to get him you
0: can't That's rationalize it his actions he is the most radical left president on abortion in the history of this country. And it is not even close. All and I others. hope his heart changes on that. So really do I. I. But in the meantime, we're stacking dead bodies, Father. But we appreciate <laughs> the lively debate. I, I hope we brought some clarity to a lot of people who aren't Catholic. Um, I am, a, you know, or we you brought know where more I am. More yes, I don't know.
2: You what? Or we brought more opaque quality to it, I'm not sure, but I hope we get some clarity.
0: Okay, thanks Father, we really appreciate it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything
2: going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. to get 30, 30, they get 30, they get 20, 20, 20, they get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows.
3: Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful
0: We have a situation where all of this spending is now causing the Fed to print more money because they have to cover the expenditures. There's not enough money in the U.S. Treasury to do it. So they print money. And that means the dollars that you have in a bank or invested, their worth go down. That's inflation. So Biden's running around with Z, going, oh, no, this is not going to cause more inflation. Every economist in the world just goes, what? And this is the extent of the incompetence that we have in Washington, D.C. right now. So Rasmussen, daily tracking, we give you this every day. 41% of likely U.S. voters approve of Mr. Biden's job performance. 58 don't. Bad number. Um, I thought you might want to hear what the uh, Trump number was. Um, so in October 2020, before the vote, economist YouGov had Trump at 45 percent approval. OK, NBC News had him at 45. Harvard Harris had him at 46. Gallum had him at 44. Not even close to where Biden is. So, you know, interesting information. And there's another big difference. That the people who liked Donald Trump and his performance in office really liked him. They were fanatical Trump people. And they would vote for him no matter what. Biden's support is soft. I've never seen a person go, I got to have that Joe Biden. He's the best. That Joe Biden, he's really doing a hell of a job. Have you? So all Biden's support is, is an anti-Trump play. That's it. So then the question becomes, the Democratic Party knows all. What do you do? You only have less than a year before the midterms where the Democrats could lose everything in Congress. And that's the end of Joe Biden. So joining us now from New York City is Paul Alexander, the former media strategist for Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, a Democrat from Hawaii. So you can imagine and I'm sure you know that these meetings are going on. now. How do we bring this back? How do we stop the bleeding in the polling? Do you have any idea what the strategy might be?
3: You know, there are a number of very basic things that I would recommend if I was in the administration. Uh, First and foremost, I think President Biden's open hostility toward oil and gas is a self-inflicted wound. There is no reason for the U.S. not to be energy independent, especially with record inflation and a supply chain crisis already hurting American wallets. Now, Eric Adams, the Democrat mayor-elect of New York City, was recently threatened by leadership of Black Lives Matter with riot and bloodshed if he did not give in to their demands. Adams just held a press conference calling on national Democrats to condemn this extremism. This would be an easy opportunity for President Biden to take a tough stance on against real threats of violent crime. And beyond that, I would look to the very sensible and popular platform of now former Democrat, Andrew Yang, who just recently launched the Forward Party. And I would use the bully bully pulpit to advocate for issues with bipartisan support overwhelmingly, things like open primaries, ranked choice voting, and term limits. Doing so would restore some of his credibility as a pragmatic consensus builder and do a lot to enhance the transparency, fairness, and efficiency of our democracy.
0: Isn't it too late? Come on, Paul, let's be honest. I mean, the guy, you know how hard it is to change people's perceptions. You get off on the wrong foot, they got that image, and his image is shot. I mean, he doesn't command the stage, he hasn't done anything to help the country, with the possible exception of VAX rollouts, but he hasn't done anything. Isn't it too late for him?
3: No, I don't believe so. Uh, one year is an eternity in politics, and three years is obviously triple that length, whatever triple eternity. But it's not going to be three years. He gets whacked next
0: November. It's over sure. for the Biden administration.
3: That, that could be true. Uh, it's, you know, he was in the Senate for four decades. Uh, When push comes to shove, perhaps he will really show his ability to form uh, some consensus within that governing body and actually get things done. Perhaps now, when he doesn't have to do that, at least on paper by the numbers, he's being a little more bold and trying to check off more things from the progressive agenda than he otherwise would.
0: See, I could be wrong and I could be mean and I don't want to be either, but I don't think he's... Up to the job
3: I don't think you Look, can that's do okay I mean that's certainly your opinion uh, I'm not going to uh, do to you argue disagree that. with
0: that opinion no do you think that Joe Biden at age 79 can run this country effectively
3: he certainly has not instilled confidence in me thus far uh, but I was of a similar belief prior to the election to be fair uh, so that so really you has never not thought came. that Biden
0: would be a good president. It was just the anti-Trump movement that put him into office,
3: right? To an extent. I mean, you had mentioned the polling earlier, and I think we should look at that. It, it, It is important to acknowledge that over the last five years in particular, there has been a Consistent misreading of the electorate by national pollsters on both Democrat favorability and GOP turnout. The most egregious example that comes to mind is that ABC News Wisconsin poll that had Biden up plus 17 the week of the 2020 election, and then he won it by less than a point. You know, the Real Clear Politics Average had Andrew Gillum ahead of Ron DeSantis by nearly four points, and we know Ron DeSantis won that race. More recently, it had New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy up by eight points. And look how close that race turned out to be. So I think there is ample evidence here to suggest a real disconnect between Democrat polling and Democrat performance. Now, I'm going to
0: I'm going to disagree with you and I'm going to base it on a fact. Okay. so if you analyze the daily television ratings for MSNBC and CNN unquestionably pro-Biden. They are at historic lows. No one watching them. Now, Fox is losing audience as well, but not nearly as rapidly. So that tells me that Democrats and independents who might be sympathetic to Mr. Biden. They don't want to see him. What do you think?
3: As I had said previously, his appearances rarely instill confidence. So I'm not going to entirely disagree with that. If you, if you wanna break up the segments between progressives, moderates and independents, we can examine each of those. You know, Right now, he does not seem to have a clearly defined base. He is yet to deliver any sort of major legislative victory for progressives who are already not particularly enthusiastic about him to begin with. For moderates, the infrastructure bill could be seen as a major victory, but I, I honestly do believe it's being overshadowed by the backlash to these controversial vaccine mandates, and that has turned him into a fairly polarizing president. Combine that gonna, with
0: the, the folks are not going to care about any Build Back Better when they're paying three times as much for a gallon of gas and twice as much for food. Those issues will override any theoretical stuff. Last
3: word. I don't disagree with that and if we want to look at that further let's look to Bill Clinton as an example who won independence overwhelmingly in his 96 reelects and left office with a 61% approval rating despite all the scandals. Why? Well, the economy was booming and he made lowering violent crime a top priority of his administration. Yeah, he moved security. Around. Security bill is a primal need, not a partisan one. That includes both financial security and public safety and no, thus far- no
0: doubt about that, but, but, but Clinton was an extra, Clinton was an extraordinary politician and Biden is not. Hey Paul, we really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and a uh, very interesting segment.
2: Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to the Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Okay, here's a final thought. It's an easy one. You gotta get away from the madness. You know, there's a lot of political intensity here. The country's not in a good place. It's not. So, the reason I've set up BillOReilly.com is because it's one-stop shopping. You don't have to watch all the propaganda on uh, television. All right? Now, if you want to, sure, go ahead. But it gives me a headache, and it makes me depressed sometimes. I'm I'm going, what is this? Here, it's fact-based. Here's what's going on. If you check with in with us every two days or so, you'll know what's going on, and, uh, it, and it, we have it all organized for you. It's such a good convenience to have it. You stay on top of the news, stay on top of what's happening, don't get caught with uh, no turkeys, okay? But at the same time, you don't have a massive migraine. So this weekend, I'm going to get some fresh air. I'm telling you, I'm going out. Look at the leaves. Leaves are still changing. It's crazy here in the Northeast. But you got to get away sometimes. You have to get away.